0: Kevin Starling leveraged his quiet leadership and built a solid reputation within the Team Rubicon Sawyer community and in the Wildland Fire program. Hailing from Durango, Colorado, Kevin's life is built around service within the Northwest Territory. As a chainsaw instructor, his eagerness to mentor new Sawyers is evident by the smiles on his students' faces and skills developed out in the field. Always eager to help, Kevin represents himself. Anti Team Rubicon in service to communities in gray shirts. Let's hear about where Kevin is from and what motivates him to be a better humanitarian.
1: I'm Kevin Starling. My story starts at McDill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida. Born to Raymond and Carla Starling, and my father is a young enlisted uh, airman in the Air Force sent to Thailand with my mother and I in tow all over the world after that, and uh, my father wanted to be an F-4 pilot in the Air Force. Um, got, out of the co- got out of the Air Force, went to college, I remember my, some of my earliest memories are sitting in the back of the airplane with Dad on air, his flight lessons. And his dream of always wanting to be a pilot, Air Force wouldn't let him in, so he ended up going to the Army. Uh, he always joked that uh, he ended up flying tanks with the Army as an artillery officer. And uh, retired um, out of the Army in Colorado Springs, where I uh, ended up going to college here in Colorado and wanted to follow my father's footsteps with ROTC scholarship and a football scholarship. Uh, However, my plans were changed when I became a father and got married at the age of 18 and soon after became a full-time single parent at age 20. Uh, At age 20, that changed my plans and priorities of being in the military and then became my priorities became my two-year-old son. So with that, I finished my college career and then going and work with my dad, who at that time became a financial planner, financial advisor and spent the next 20 years working with him. Majority of our employees were retired officers in the military and I have a big impact from their stories of the Vietnam era era veteran and their experiences coming home uh, from their experience in Vietnam and the military, having different kinds of experiences that uh, our current veterans have today. And got me introduced uh, to veteran issues and uh, veteran support organizations. Um, on my own course, I became introduced to Team Rubicon after my father passed away. And uh, so he passed away of cancer quickly. And then our business, family business, was bought and sold, and I was no longer needed at that business. And at age 40, I was trying to find my purpose and who I was and uh, what I was I going to be. I thought I had to be as one certain thing that I was and had planned my whole life. And it was uh, unexpectedly taken away and uh, probably one of the darkest times of my life and uh, not knowing who I was. I'll never forget, I was sitting on Facebook and I saw a good friend of mine that I went to high school with. We were buddies in high school, a guy named Vince Moffat. And he was a part of this organization called Team Rubicon and traveling all over the world doing just badass stuff. And I think he, he was in the Philippines and... I had just got home and I reached out to Vince and, and I was looking for something myself. Uh, I had done a lot of volunteer work and uh, worked with Volunteer Outdoor Colorado here and build trails and trails rehabilitation and love being outside and and working. And, and uh, I looked at Vince and said, Hey, and I called him up and said, Hey, how do I become a part of that organization? I need a job. Are they hiring? I need some work. He said, no, they're not hiring. It's all volunteer, but come on board. And and another question I had was that uh, at the time, it was earlier on, there weren't as many uh, civilians in the organization. I asked, how would a civilian be accepted in the ranks at Team Rubicon as, as a ve- veteran service organization? Said, Wouldn't be an issue. Get in there, go for it, and make a difference. And and uh, that decision and advice from him uh, changed probably the course of my life. And it did change the course of my life. Um At that time, I was looking for purpose, and when I came to Team Rubicon, I found what I was looking for in the gray shirt experience.
0: So I'm going to fast forward to 2015, where we met. uh, We met at the first wildland fire training that Team Rubicon and the Bureau of Land Management was putting on in Loveland, Colorado, and there was, you know, it it was an exciting, what is it, four days, five days where camping out and and hanging out a lot, learning. There's a whole cast of characters in that class that are very active within the, you know, within Colorado, but it's a lot of fun. And that really, I remember that was a big impact on you that that kind of propelled you uh, really quickly into a thing that worked for you. So tell me a little bit about that experience.
1: I showed up in Loveland having no idea, not a clue what was going to be ahead of me. I thought I was signing up for some cool training. I was going to get paid. I told my wife, she's like, Well, you keep on doing all this volunteer stuff, but you need to do something to get paid for. And I I was drinking the Kool Aid already. I said, Well, you know, as I sold it, I'm getting paid for the weekend to go camping. So I went up there, and at the end of the class, not having any idea, what was ahead of I me? Mean, I sat next to you for four days, right in the middle, and I'll never forget, uh, you made fun of my wallet and called me and asked if I had a Costanza wallet or something like that. <laughs> it's true, it's true. You, you do have a that? Costanza wallet, no, oh, Not, it's anymore. Still true. not you know, anymore, thank you very back much. Back then, definitely a wallet. Well, I was back in financial advisor when it was full of, <laughs> any, anyways. But uh, through that we had a really good time and we connected and uh immediately after that uh, they asked who wants to go to alaska and for me as an outdoorsman fisherman hunter that is my mecca of places i've always wanted to go that i've not been and it being the hardest work i have ever done and ever will do in the rest of my life um but i was hooked i needed something i needed a purpose and um I went up straight up to Alaska and it was an amazing adventure. Then was home for a few days and they asked me to go to California, Northern California to Shasta Trinity, which I ran, where I ran into you again. Actually, yeah. I think we were out in, was it Springfield or something like that first and ended up in Shasta Trinity, but we kind of mirrored each other on that assignment. And then after that, uh, gosh, I can't remember. It was Montana or Nevada and uh, went out with Britton McNeil out in Nevada and on his engine and had just an amazing experience. And, I went home to my wife after that season and said, this is, this is for me. It is the hardest thing. I've never been challenged like this physically, mentally, and uh, sleeping out into the stars was made for me.
0: Life is not a linear or static thing. We, we tend to, to ebb and flow through the things that we do. And, you know, I think that, you know, I remember the wildland program had a a pretty big impact on me as well. It was a lot of fun and, and you know, having it not around is kind of a bummer, but I, I think it was a great lesson at the time for my, you know, just like you, there was, there was a lot going on. And it's like, you know, where, where am I going? What am I doing? What's my contribution here? And, and so there was something that, that felt really right about that. I, you know, I knew that you were busy as hell. And we actually went out on a number of fire assignments together and had a blast, lots of training. Um, but we also, I remember at, at a part of that, Uh, we were doing an awful lot, uh, Sawyer wise, doing a lot of cutting, a lot of training, a lot of, you know, teaching and service projects, stuff like that. You know, Colorado, man, those guys are busy. They keep themselves very busy with all the projects and uh, good on them. They they do some great work out there. But I, I, one of the things that, you know, fire taught you some stuff that your initial introduction into TR taught you some stuff what have you taken from what you've learned and applied it back into the organization?
1: Hmm. One thing that I have learned through team Rubicon is probably, I think one of some of my biggest lessons is through a program called assist training in team Rubicon, which is the, um, I think that's probably resonated me is probably more directly to my why and why I'm in team Rubicon. Um, Quick backstory. Uh, I told you I wanted to go into the military. Growing up, I was in the Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, and my best friend, uh, his father, was a divisional of wildlife officer, and that got us into the outdoors, hunting, camping, and so forth. And we had uh, my friend, my dad was in the military, and he got to go around the uh, motor pool and check out tanks and so forth. And we both dreamed of a career in the military. I uh, mentioned that I did not. Uh, my best friend did. This was back in the time of the first Gulf War. He ended up being an airborne ranger and uh, did all the things we dreamed of. And he went to Iraq for his first tour and uh, came home and told me he was able to put those situations in in a box. They were there to get bad guys and help good people. Um, Immediately was sent down to Mogadishu, and uh, that did not turn out so well, and uh, came back and... He told stories of not being able to put that into a box, that situation and being able to mentally um, deal with, I guess, the the things that he had seen and done while he was there. And I as a young person, he was my hero. And I looked up to him in admiration uh, and not being able to see what he was trying to tell me. Back then, that was before pre nine eleven. Before I think PTSD was a more of a common term and under in trying to understand. And before I think when he was there, it was more get back to work and uh, don't worry about those kind of things. You're a soldier; deal with it. And that's how he kind of presented to me. And I and I was so ad, uh, had so much admiration for him. I didn't see the pain he was having. He was sending out to me. He ended up losing his own his battle with himself and uh, those feelings I still have to those day. They still make me emotional try not to get emotional about it. Now going back and wishing I could have seen those and made a difference uh, in his life and been there for him when he needed me and I did not know it. So that experience has probably been one of the biggest drives of myself and why I'm in Team Rubicon and what it does for me and how can I apply this to the real world? And it's those times of just being there and showing empathy and showing that I'm there and love and hugs and um, listening. And uh, for people, that's how I'm able to apply that to my daily and activities within Team Rubicon.
0: The, the beauty of the assist program within the organization is that we get a chance to uh, accept vulnerability as a way we communicate with one another. And I think that translates over into so much of what we do. Uh, think about it. I, I know that you're a regional chainsaw instructor in the Northwest Territory and have been very active both uh, in the territory and nationally. And I think that, you know, assist is kind of one of those places where we all learn this permission to be vulnerable and to be willing to to talk, you know, about things that we normally wouldn't talk to strangers about our feelings and, uh, you know, maybe our insecurities and you know, as an instructor within the organization, I've I've worked with you a, a number of times, and you're kind of that kind quiet communicator. You know, you don't get too jazzed up. I, uh, that you know, our 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 little routine during our saw classes, where you know we ask for everybody's name, and we ask for where they're from, and uh, we ask about their spirit animal. I know it's weird, but it it does reveal a lot about a person. and, I know your spirit animal completely and it's a Labrador retriever. And it's so normally that, but it it would sound like a cop out, but knowing you, uh, you, you kind of are that Labrador retriever. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even, you know, it's like, it's, it's a great description of who you are. And I think your contribution to the organization is that kind of steady stalwart. You can always rely on Kevin to, to be there for you. The one beauty about kind of your activity within the organization and why I think when you do speak up about things or you you know you're talking in a class, people shut up and listen because they respect that calmness that you bring to a situation. But you genuinely look at everybody who you're working with, whether it's out in the field on uh, an operation Or whether it's in a class you genuinely want everybody to be better to be really 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 good where they're at you know we're as an organization we train thousands of people every year and in a lot of different disciplines and i i've i've always appreciated your instruction style and i think that it translates out into your work style uh, how you react and act and react out in public is you are, you're this kind, quiet communicator. And, and, and I think that, you know, if I had to to pin that on you, I I'd appreciate the, the quiet Labrador that you are.
1: So <laughs> I think it comes from leading with compassion. Um, yeah. That's one thing I know when I, when I came into this organization, I was that civilian when there weren't really many. Um, and, and it's interesting, I've had to tell my why quite a bit. Why are you here? Well, you're civilian, and this is you know, this is for military vets. Military vets want to talk to other military vets about the things they're going through because they'll have a sense of reference, right? Um, and I've heard that a lot, and that's totally 100% um, uh, understandable how they feel. And so, I don't, I've never come up and say, Hey, what's your story, or you know, push people. I've always been the just listen. Uh, and my communication is a little bit different than others. It's it comes from the compassion and, and empathy. And I think empathy is what I usually lead with with this organization. It's been what I've been successful with and get the most um, um, traction with. Um, when I come to be when it comes to chainsaws, uh, there's men and women that come in the courses and uh, people who never used a dangerous tool before. There's some. Um, uh, apprehension of or, and anxiety about using this, especially from, you know, from ladies and understanding they're very intent and want to question and being able to be compassionate and, and uh, understand their feelings and empathize with how they feel about being in this class with a, usually a bunch of type A males, um, you know, and they're going to have that person who's, who's ego driven to the person who is the quiet mouse in, in the corner and, Coming with compassion, understanding where everyone's coming through to come and bring that person out to type A to make them work with that other person is probably one of the biggest challenges we have in working uh, within this organization because we've grown so much and there's so many different kinds of uh, people and personalities to work with. But one thing I've known, there's this mindset that comes from everyone is that they come from love and wanting to help others. There's this sense of service, which I love. This organization, I think that comes from a lot of the military background, as well as that sense of service and continue to service, uh, and having that mindset to come with people that you know using compassion and uh, clear communication is the way to, to work with in those instruction times. You know, and, and also, and everybody wants to feel appreciated. Absolutely,
0: you know, and and uh, you know, we being in a humanitarian organization that uh, at Team Rubicon is. You know, we're, we're here to provide services to communities that need it in, in whatever it is. I mean, you know, certainly now during the, the COVID-19 responses that we're doing, it's it's different and it provides a different avenue for us to, to look at a, a challenge and overcome it. Uh, to be able to communicate, you know, to our neighbors, to our community, the things that, that we can provide for them. You know, and at the same turn, disasters are still going to happen that are require more hands-on approach. You know, I'm thinking tornadoes and unfortunately hurricanes, all those other things that affects communities that we've both worked in uh, on deployments. And I think that having the, the, the approach that you take uh, when you're out, whether in, in any capacity, training, uh, deployments, service projects, what have you, that compassion, that empathy... It goes both ways. It's not only to the people that we're serving out in the communities that have been affected, but it's to each other. Uh, you know, when you spent quite a bit of time down in Florida uh, responding to some the hurricane response that was happening down there. And I remember, you know, you were down there for forever. You almost, you know, had to move down there, right? It was and, almost
1: eight weeks on that one, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that... You know, when you're doing that, you're you've taken people out of their comfort zone. You've taken people out of their routine, and you know there's a couple ways to deal with it. You can be like, "Hey guys, you need to sit down, shut up, and let's just put our head down, get this work done," or you can come at it where both both the recipient of our work and the deliverer of that work can benefit from this. Uh, I think that you know, working in small teams that we do is another approach that we take that really develops a rapport with one another. you're, you're very good at, at grabbing a whole bunch of strangers and by the end of the day you know they're coming back laughing and telling stories and and I think that we both you know being a humanitarian or being a part of a humanitarian organization, again, the recipient of our work and the deliverer of that work benefit from that and I think it grows both of us in a really neat way. It's a neat tie that binds
1: us all up um what is it... i think when i get those teams together uh in those small teams making them feel appreciated um i think that uh, a little bit lost raw volunteers and people spend the most valuable thing they have and they give it to this organization and that's their time and they come out and they come out and spend their time going online and doing all the hoops and things that we need to teach them about being a Uh, A Team Rubicon gray shirt, do all the online training, come out and do this and that. And then they take the, they're brave enough to come out and come out to an event. And there's usually a bunch of people out there. And as you know, Team Rubicon, everybody loves and hugs and, hey, how are you doing? And, you know, the camaraderie that builds along with that. And they're standing on the outside and they want a part of that. And they're spending their time and they want to feel, they want to feel appreciated and they want to feel loved and like welcome and a part of something bigger than themselves. So getting those people and engaging them uh with love and empathy, those things I talk about, and showing them the high fives. They appreciate thank you for your time. Here, here's a water, thank you for what you're doing, here this or that or whatever. Showing people that you appreciate them coming out and being a part of this, go home and have that satisfaction that, hey, I have something, I'm a part of something. Um I feel like I want to be something bigger than myself, and this is what it does. And in making them thankful for spending that the most valuable thing they have out with us, has been something that's been very important to me. And uh, that's where I think I've able to get out more people, showing them thank thanking them for not about who what they've done, necessarily, more or less about who they are and what they're giving.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I you know I think that you know we I know that we've talked about this. I know I've talked about it before on the podcast, but also, you know, in classes and different times when we interact. But you know, the the whole idea of being a humanitarian is really at the core of who we are. Uh, you know, and and we've a, I've asked this uh, question in class, like you know, who, what are you, who are you? And you know, you get a myriad of answers. Um, and, and you know, at some point, somebody wises up and they're like, "Well, I'm a gray shirt." Absolutely, we all are gray shirts, which is probably the proudest moment in the organization is when you realize that you are a great shirt, this is something you own top to bottom, that, that you're here to serve and support communities that need our help. But if you go one step further than that, and really who our core is as an organization that's being humanitarian, being a big raving fan about humans and trying to help them out and make, make this place a, a better place. And uh, I, I think you've exampled that rather well. Your time at TR, and uh, which is
1: partly why we're talking today. Well, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Being the civilian early on, um, I did not let that hinder um, my love and compassion for others. I think for me in this organization, one of my whys is I, I mentioned my friend that uh, I wish I could have made a different, um, made more of a difference and had a different outcome. And I think that's part of my why is I don't want any more of those same outcomes. And whatever I can do, any moment, any time, any energy I can pass on just to hopefully maybe even change that fleeting uh, emotion just for a minute to go out and have someone work hard for the day, high five at the end and share a moment maybe in uh, at the end of the day. That's and them change their outlook on life or who they are, what their why and so forth. That's that's my why. That's why. That's where I get it out of. I don't want any more of my friends. Uh, his name is Brendan, and uh, I don't want any more Brendans. Is what I always tell in my mind. And when I get together in these groups, uh, there's a lot of camaraderie in within Team Rubicon, which I love. And the hugging is something I'll we'll talk about here in a second. But uh, I, I look when we get together and do our briefings. I look for those eyes out in the distance, on the outside of the group. They're looking in, saying, "Hey, I want to be a part of that." Uh, camaraderie in there, and they've taken, they've been brave and stepped out of, stepped out of their house to say, I need to be a part of something, and I need this, and there, it's a very brave move to come out and not know anybody, and just to show up, and to be a part of something, and I look for those individuals and to reach out, and I can see that stare, just that empty stare out there, and they're and it's a very hard stare. They've been hardened for some reason, a lot of emotions inside of there, and I don't know, and. It doesn't really matter, but for me, it matters that they're here today. And what can I do today for this person who came out and is brave enough to stand out and wants to come out and make a difference and be a part of this group? And that's who I've been able. I think part of my um, passion and my why is to go find those. Put my arm around them. Say, hey, come in here. We have a lot of fun over here. We do a lot of good work, and it's important what we do. And Each of of us is important to each other. Uh, Come with us um, step into the gray.
0: Yeah. I, I, I remember when we were kind of looking at, you know, names for this podcast and, you know, that action that you just described that stepping into the gray, it really is an action. It's a choice. You know, you can say, well, it's just putting a t-shirt on and it absolutely is not that at all. It is, it's a choice to step out of your comfort zone, to go help communities that, that need, need something that you've got within you, that need your work, that need your effort, that need your kindness, your compassion. And, and all those things that I think make us up as an organization is really well symbolized by that gray shirt that we work in, that we get gross. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I have a handful of, of gray shirts that I've, I, I keep them all. They've all been worn and cut and holes in them and stains that never go away. I have a shirt from Puerto Rico that's almost embarrassing to take <laughs> out in public. But, uh, you know, those are all things that that we consider uh, our badges of honor, those dirty shirts, the dirty work clothes that we have. Um, and again, I can't think of a of a place that I've been a part of in the past where being dirty is actually... You know, and earning that dirt, earning that gray shirt is is the important part is that means you've toiled side by side with somebody and and put in some effort to make a difference within a community that needs some help.
1: Well speaking on, on that deal. dirty gray shirt, I remember I showed up to an op one time and my my shirt was ripped and had a couple holes and just been dirty and washed and just stained and terribly dirty and Someone said, "Oh my gosh, how can you be wearing that dirty gray shirt? Let me get you a new one here." And I almost felt bad about it. You know, I'm I'm proud to wear this thing. I've, there's some blood, sweat, and tears on this thing. This is I'm, I'm proud of this, and this is what and what we do, and why we're here. Get that thing dirty.
0: I absolutely, and you know, but at the same turn, we have folks that that do different jobs mm. that that don't require them to get dirty. And thank goodness they're doing them. You know. Um, you know, working, working all the myriad of jobs that we do in the organization. Some of us are going to get absolutely filthy. Some just because we're not very good. Uh, <laughs> others just they're not going to get dirty because of the different job that they're doing. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate anybody who's putting that shirt on and and doing the job that contributes to the bottom line. And and it's
1: it's a big deal. It is a big deal. I agree with you. Now, one thing I love about this organization, that I and I preach it all the time is that there's some, something for everybody here. I've heard that, uh, Hey, you know, whatever experiences in my life, military veteran that I can't do this or that. And I said, well, it doesn't matter what you, what you can't do. It's what you can do. Here. And we will find a place for you, whether it's planning logistics, uh, IC or chainsaws or heavy equipment or just throwing around a hammer. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it's, it's about, uh, just being part of being part of the gray. Absolutely.
0: I, you know, and, I also like to what you know there there's a lot of folks that want to bounce around and try out all different things and I very much appreciate that too because it's like yeah, why not? Why not try on what that looks like? Why not try that out? Why not see how well you could do as a leader? Test yourself, challenge yourself. You know, some folks will come in, well I don't want to do anything similar to what I did in the military. It's like, great, there's plenty of other crap out there. <laughs> there's there are so many dirty jobs and in situations that we need done, you know, sometimes it's like I need 20 cases of water brought out to all the different teams in the field. That's a job, you know, somebody who's planning an operation sitting at a computer all day, which is a job that, that I don't know that I could do. I don't have it in me, but I really appreciate those that are doing it and they do it really well. They keep us safe. They keep us smart. They keep us moving. So there, there's just so many things that go into all the stuff that we do you know and in you know a couple months ago we weren't doing any of the things that we're doing right now We weren't even considering it and i i love the nimbleness of this organization we're able to move pretty damn fast and and go out there and get shit done and and do it with a smile on our face and do it with in the dirt and sleep on cots or on the ground or whatever we do in order to help communities i think that that's the the beauty of
1: what we're trying
0: to accomplish here and
1: I agree. It seems like, uh, Jake, our, our leader or my North star with this organization has kind of led with that attitude the whole time. It doesn't matter uh, what you can bring, just bring it and we will find a place for you and we will fit you in. Now, the, one of the biggest things that I think that needs to come with that is just the empathy, whether it's empathy for the other gray shirts, uh, making sure they get fed or, uh, have a good place to sleep at night or whether it's the, the, community in itself however we're serving them there's different ways people can bring their skills into this organization and uh, no matter uh, what you can bring I think there's a place for you and we can find a, and find a fit that where you can make a difference and feel good about it because the positivity just alone and love and empathy for others. Uh, is gonna shine through and get shit done in this organization how many years you've been since what 2014
0: is that kind of the year that's the same year that I joined as well So you know you're six years into this. Uh, what do you feel is the best lesson that you've learned in any in any situation A training, on a deployment, on a service project, whatever what's the best lesson that you've learned within Team
1: Rubeka? Don't be afraid to hug somebody. I love it. I uh, on a little story on that. Uh, I have a, a Team Rubicon member. Uh, we're in some assist training, and uh, this individual has uh, had a difficult, had a difficult career and um, uh, transition out of the military. And it's it's a pretty common story in this organization, and that's kind of a reason why you find uh, your purpose with the Team Rubicon and those looking for it. We were in this uh, an assist meeting, and this individual shared that uh, he did not want to hug anybody. Was afraid of it, hated it, it made him angry when someone asked him to hug. Uh, was just had the big wall up in front. And uh, I've learned sometimes, I mean, without being inappropriate in any way, just to go up and hug somebody. But no one is appropriate to uh, to ask for a hug. There's some that uh, we talk about that are that are hurting out there for whatever reason it is, and, and may not be the military consequences or not. Just whoever they're a human being and they're hurting out there, or they're needing whatever there is and needing a hug. Um, and it's interesting how reaching out to someone and listening and looking into their eyes and just listening to them. Uh, where also with the homeowners or the people we're going out to serve, they may have just had their their house may be gone, literally, right in front of them. they are looking at a pad in front of them, and they just want to talk about it, and they just want to tell their feelings and someone to listen uh, and, and uh, hear, their, hear their struggles or their problem and knowing you're empathetic about it and you care about them and you want to give them a hug at the end. And whether it's that uh, person sitting next to my left or to my right or the person in front of me out in the field that needs that hug, it's, uh, everybody needs a hug.
0: I, I agree. And I, you know, I'm, we both know people in the organization that aren't huggers. You got, it takes a while.
1: <laughs> Sometimes they'll get and that. And that's kind of my point uh, is that I'm, I'm not going to go and just hug somebody. Ready. Hey, you need a hug. <laughs> that's not my, that's not kind of what I'm referring right. to, but just when, when those moments are there, someone needs to listen. Yeah, Someone needs, they need to be touched. And in it, what I mean, in a way of empathy of let me hug you. Let me hold your hand. Um, and people just want to be listened to. And they want to be appreciated. I know one, one of the biggest people reason people leave organizations is not feeling appreciated. And so making volunteers feel appreciated. And the people were out there trying to know that we love them and we're here to love.
0: Friendship and support are tools that we have to make life and experiences better in any given situation. Kevin has an amazing set of tools at his disposal and employs them well within communities that need our help and with fellow gray shirts. Got an idea, thoughts, or suggestions for this podcast? Email stepintothegray at teamrubiconusa.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.